Welcome back, Crusaders. This is the Nerd Crusade Podcast. This is episode 41. I'm your host, Ian, as always, and with me is Courtney. Oh. This week, we're going to be talking about some TV shows and some uh, a movie and like some uh, a trailer that came out this week, basically, uh, about some new stuff coming down the, down the line. So, uh, as always, we're going to talk about Loki. Uh, the latest episode uh, premiered this week, I believe it was episode seven? Six. Six. Maybe. No. Uh, let's see. Season two episodes. It was season episode, episode five. five. There's only six episodes. Yeah. So episode five came out uh, this week. Um, as we left off on a big cliffhanger in the last episode where basically the loom had exploded and everything was everything black. was gone. And they never they didn't cut from black to let us know like if you woke up somewhere or something happened. But basically, yeah, he just opens his eyes and he's still in the TVA. Yep, by himself. Yeah. With as everything is starting to slowly turn into spaghetti and he starts time slipping again. Yeah, so he starts doing the time slip again. Um, and what's kind of interesting is this, I guess this is kind of trying to show where everybody's real spot was in these different timelines. Mm-hmm. Although it's kind of weird that uh, Casey, the nerdy guy, is supposedly Frank from yeah. uh, Escape from uh, Alcatraz. Yeah, that was weird. So, like, he, he's f- the Frank character in Escape from Alcatraz. You haven't seen his old uh, Clint Eastwood movie about the actual escape that was made in Alcatraz. Uh, Casey is supposedly taking Clint Eastwood's role as Frank, and they're in the midst of escaping Alcatraz when Loki shows up. Um, but he also f- ends up finding... Uh, and 18 or 13, I think her name is. Yeah, B13. B13. They find her as a doctor in a hospital. Yeah, like a pediatrician. Back in, yeah, back in 2000. In, I think it's like. No. It's, it's like 2018 or something. It, I think it's after the Avengers uh, th- uh, attack. The okay. first Avengers attack uh, in New York. So she's, so a, she's a doctor. 2012. Yeah, she's a doctor in New York. Um, they. F- uh, they find Obi as a struggling author uh, trying to sell his science fiction book by planting it in bookstores and getting caught and kicked out. But he's basically a Cal Arts or Caltech uh, quantum physics teacher mm-hmm. that uh, he hates doing. He hates he... doing that, but he wants to be an author instead. <laughs> um, so it's. KCB thirteen Obi they find oh and then he finds Mor- Morbius yes. Mobius who is a it's, jet ski salesman yes <laughs> that's why he loves, loves jet skis because him and his wife actually has a jet ski he has two really obnoxious kids who are like one of them literally trying to set shit on fire yeah <laughs> it's and, like he doesn't necessarily really love his kids he really loves jet skis yeah but apparently like his wife divorced him so it's like him with these two kids like yep. one's trying to light shit on fire and fire when he gets home from work he like says give me the magic kids runs away and they bribes the brother with i'll get you a dog i think the brother said no i want an alligator or something oh no and a snake and he and said we'll snake. see he we said we'll we'll negotiate later just stop your brother from bringing the house down um <laughs> But that explains why Mobius is so obsessed with jet skis because he's a jet ski salesman who, like, literally in their shop has a fan with a wave background and you can ride on top of a jet ski. Get your picture taken. Feel the wind. And this is in 2023, too. So this is taking place. Real hilarious. It's wonderful. Um, But basically, Loki finds everybody and then uh, finds Obi. Basically, gives Obi the TVA book. Like, hey, I need you to, like, build a time pad. Uh, so, because kind of the concept that like Loki's time slipping everywhere in between this kind of uncontrollably, and they're trying to get him to control it, but he can't. So he's talk- they figured that he's time, <clears throat> but he is time slipping to people that he needs. Yeah, which people is the- he knows and that he's trying yeah. to find because he's finding Mobius, KC, B thirteen, and Obi. Uh, so he gives Obi the TVA manual to give him the information so he can actually build a time pad, and then he ends up time slipping uh, back to Mobius. Yeah. And this is where we see Mobius at home, like with his kids. With his kids. Um and he's gonna try and convince Mobius, like, hey, I need your help to save the world type. But of Mobius, thing. Mobius thinks he's there to buy a jet ski. Yeah, buy a jet ski. So he's still like salesman pitch, like, all right, I got two jet skis yeah, in my, my garage. That's when we find like he's divorced, his wife wants <laughs> his wife's wants his. Um 
But then, like, Obi comes back through a time pad portal. Which is so hilarious. Because yeah. you see the door just, like, move and jitter all around as how... he's trying to figure out, like, how to center it. And yeah, because it it's not... It, it, it looks exactly how it's been looking throughout the series, but, like, this one's, like, sliding around and moving because it's it's brand new. And it's like, not working properly. Yeah, and so, like, he shows up through the time door, and uh, Loki's like, oh, cool, you got that done really fast. Like, if you think 18 months, I'm me losing my marriage is fast, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, so, like... A he, lot of comedic moments in this episode. Yeah, it was, like, really good playing off of the actors, too, how each, each of them played off each other. Um, but I think the whole point of this episode was, like, two big things. The first one is uh, he gets everybody together because they believe if they get all of them together, then they can all jump back to the TVA and to try and do something to, to stop it before it explodes. Yep, but he also needs Sylvie because Sylvie was there as well. Yeah, so he needs everybody who was in that room with them um, back again. Uh, so he ends up time-slipping to Sylvie. Or no, no, he, no, he, takes, uh, he takes the portal to Sylvie to her McDonald's universe. Um, and they're like, he's trying to go through his normal speech of like, you don't know who I am because nobody recognized him before. But of course, Sylvie's a Loki like he is. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. know who the fuck you are. I know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, she's a variant in not her own universe. So yeah. She knows exactly yeah, who Yeah, she wasn't sent back to a different, to her own universe. She was sent back to where she was hanging out the most, I guess. Uh, where everyone else was sent back to their own timeline mm-hmm. and they for- had lost the memory of the TVA. So it's going through like this dramatic like plot of explaining everything. Like they really jump straight to the point, and that's one of the messages in, the, in this was that Loki had to learn that him wanting to get the TVA back together was not that he needed to save the world or save the time or be a hero, is that he was being selfish and wanting his friends back. Yep. Um, and so Sylvie kind of convinces him like, no, you're pulling all these people out of their timelines. What you're doing is wrong. And you're yeah you're. You're showing them something fantastic and saying you have to make a choice between your boring life or this. And and she's kind of pointing out, like, that's not really a choice. You're kind of forcing them back into a life that maybe they didn't really want. Maybe they want to be on their timelines. Let them be. Um, So she actually convinces Loki that, yeah, he is being selfish. He is only wanting to do this for his own purpose, that he wants his friends back. Um, And kind of convinces, like, there may not be any danger. But... As we see in Sylvie's timeline, there's little bits of spaghetti slipping. Which is what we saw when the TVA dissolved. Basically, the threads falling out of time and falling are getting uh, unthreaded. And they do a really cool sequence with Sylvie's time place because she goes to the record store and is listening to music, and then this all starts happening behind her and around her. And the owner is trying to get her attention and starts running towards her as. Everything has become spaghettified. Yeah, but the nice shot is the one where they go down to the vinyl record and it's spinning with the yes. record and everything is uh, is unraveling as it spins. Uh, and then she sees it. And you're kind of like, oh, great, she's going to get screwed or something. She's dead. Uh, but no, she has her own time pad. We just yeah. forgot that she had it. And she goes through a portal right before that branch completely unthreads itself. So kind of like what's happening is instead of pruning it, and the, like, the prune is always like a burn. Yeah. This is, it's unthreading itself, kind of, I would say, maybe forward, back, whatever, but it's, the thread is coming unthreaded mm-hmm. and dissolving itself instead of being burned, like, when they prune it. So then she goes back to Loki and them and says, hey, no, you're right, everything is in danger, the world is going to get, uh, the universe is going to get destroyed, we need to do something. But she's there kind of a moment too late because as they're saying, okay, cool, great, let's get the time pad and go and get us to the TVA, the giant version that Obi built is gone. Um, and we've seen it in the other universes where like certain items just disappear, and, yep. uh, unthread themselves. And we start seeing each person start to unthread yeah, as Casey well. Yeah, Casey disappears, and then B-13. No, B-13's one of the last ones. She is? Yeah. So it's Casey, It was Casey, Obi, Obi Morbius, Mobius, Mobius. B-13, Sylvie. And then that's when Loki finally basically gets his brand new brand new power, which he controls time slipping and bounces himself back like five, ten minutes before everybody started disappearing. And then realizes, hey, he controlled time slipping, which is where the episode basically ends. So we now know that Loki kind of has a new superpower. He can jump back and forth through time. Um, and then we're going to roll into the, the last episode this week, which will probably be them finally getting back to the TVA and figuring out how to get Obi's 
prototype uh, into the loom to fix it. Yep. Um, there is still the question of where did Rensselaer go? We have no idea. I thought she went in time because she got stabbed with the stick. Yeah, but she also found out that her memory was erased and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, when the TVA blew up, we don't know what happened to anybody. Okay. Yeah, fair. <clears throat> and we don't know how that changed all the different timelines or whether or not she's still at the end of time or did she, uh, her Miss Minutes end up going somewhere else. Well, Miss Minutes was... got, got shut down, yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't know what all have there. I was, You're probably right you're, to assume that she's still just stuck at the end of time. Um, but we'll have to see what happens at the end of the next of the season finale as far as where Renslayer is, how they save the TVA, is putting that device in there going to not only save all the timelines, but is it going to do something to set up um, he who remains to take control again? Because, again, we didn't trust Victor at all. Yeah, th- no one did. Even though he, sac- he accidentally sacrificed himself to, yeah. <laughs> to die in the, in the time radiation. Yeah, that um, was a big shock to see him get all spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, but again, this show dealing with time travel back and forth has done really, really well. Uh, this was a really good follow-up to the last episode where you're kind of just like, oh my god, what's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. So again, some of the best television that Disney Plus has put out has definitely been, like, again, WandaVision oh, and Loki. Loki. And season two of Loki has been living up to it very well. Again, it's more of like an ensemble piece. This is probably the first piece of character development for Loki and this entire season. Yeah, but again, he had a lot of character growth in the last Yeah, I mean, the whole first season was all about him realizing he's not a hero, because again, this is where he he disappears at the end of... um, The first Avengers movie. Yeah, where they capture him, so he's still like his villain, and he has to to go through all the... Learn that his... All the characters he went through all the movies kind of get shoved, like, at him all immediately in the first season. Yeah. Um, and he has to learn that he's a bad guy, <laughs> or that he doesn't really want to be a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to be a bad guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, again, we're excited to see the last episode. It should be really good. Yep. This, uh, what is it? Wednesday it comes out, right? Wednesday, uh, or, Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday. I think it's it's Thursday that this comes out. Um, so next week we'll have an update on, how, on that and a whole recap on the whole show and what we thought. Um, but if you're watching it, Keep watching along with us, or if you haven't watched any of it yet, go ahead and jump in and binge it. It's really good. Yes. All right, so the other Disney Plus show that we've been watching has been... Disney Hulu. Disney Hulu, yeah, yeah, because this one is on Hulu. Mm. has been Goosebumps. Um, So if you haven't been watching that... That's also a good show to watch, Yeah, very surprisingly, very good good, uh, show for what... Goosebumps used to be to, to what this is now. This is more like a teenage X Files because it's like it's not. Yeah. It's more than Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because Are You Afraid of the Dark was like scarier than Goosebumps, but it's also a little silly. But this is more like a regular like horror kind of TV show uh, for teenagers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but done really well. Uh, last episode we saw was episode eight. You can't scare me. Out of all the shows episode so far i thought this was the weakest one in comparison yeah because it it basically does not a lot kind of happens but also not a lot not a lot happens (laughs) like like, there's not a lot forward movement here because the last episode before this ended with uh the justin long's character trying to fight him fight off biddle in his body to get the book and write the kids a way out but the book got thrown into water and all the pages were, were starting to melt together. Yeah. And so when, this one starts off with, yeah, the kids kind of falling through the book too because the book is getting soaked. And while they're there, they kind of run into Biddle's parents. Yep. Who are saying, yeah, we forgive our son. Uh, we're not moving on until he can move on with us. Tell him we love him, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, eventually Justin Long... <laughs> Bites his hand or whatnot and gets somewhat controlled to where he can draw an exit out and the kids get out of the book. Um, but just along that gets taken over by Biddle again and is again following Nora to her cabin out in the woods. Uh, the kids know figure, uh, know that she's out in the woods and whatnot, so they leave Biddle's house to go up to the cabin. And basically the rest of the episode is taking place up in the wooded area. Yeah. Um, there's it's a bit with the sheriff a, that doesn't really make any sense of why it's there. Yeah, that felt very filler. Yeah, like not needed. It was just a way to show like the dummy all being broken up in pieces, which you didn't really need that. 
Because you see the bag later in the episode get dumped out and you see it's in pieces anyway. Um, yes. So that whole interaction when the sheriff comes up to the cabin to talk to Nora was really unnecessary. Um, it was just like, so he could say it, tell Biddle, oh yeah, your friend's in this cabin up on the street. But he turns up Biddle around saying, you need chains on your car because there's a bad storm coming in, so you can't go any further. Yeah, so he just drives back down the road a little bit and, and then, then he, pulls off to go walk to the woods to the cabin. Which, not knowing what that street is or where it is on a map, I'd be like, okay, so you're just going to walk to the woods how'd you find the place? Because Biddle doesn't know about a cell phone and doesn't know how it works and yeah. how to look up a map. Um, Biddle didn't have GPS on him. Yeah, so it's not like Biddle would understand how to use that technology. Be like, oh, okay, this is where she is. This is where I'm at. This is how I get there. He just pulled over on the side of the road and started climbing the mountain. Yeah. Um, the kids end up showing up. They find the Biddle's, the car Biddle's using or, or the teacher's car. They get out. And, Two of them stay behind. Yeah, the clone kid and Izzy stay behind while uh, Meredith, the jock, and... Uh, Lucas, I think is another kid, yep. go climbing through the woods trying to find Nora. Yep. Well, uh, they see Biddle's tracks, so they start yeah. tracking Biddle. So they start following Biddle. Biddle makes it to the cabin. The whole chase sequence with Nora Yeah, chase sequence through the woods of hiding, running around, hiding. And it's like, there's like three feet of snow, dude. You could follow her tracks wherever she goes. Yeah. And also, what the fuck are they, yeah. why and also she did injure his leg, so he shouldn't be running as close to her. Even yeah. if there is three feet of snow. It especially should be slowing him down in three feet of snow. It was really much like, a, a seemed more like a homage to The Shining and Jack yeah. Torrance chasing them in the snow. Because how he was limping away. Because how he hurt his ankle made no sense really either. Because basically she got in the car, he jumped on the hood, and she swung the car around and kind of crashed and he felt he got flung off it. Yeah. But the way the stunt is done, he landed, you wouldn't think he would get up and his leg would be, be twisted or, bust, or busted the way it is. Yeah. Um, but basically, he's injured leg and he's hobbling along, trying to find Nora. The oh, snowstorm's coming in. Uh, he basically catches up to her because he starts yelling "Mom," and she think and we see she Lucas. She thinks it's Lucas. Lucas, because we see Lucas out out in the woods doing the same thing. The kids eventually get to the cabin, see that the car is not running and was doors open, and they start following the tracks to try and find uh, Nora and Biddle. How they end up by a cliff makes no fucking sense because they were never by a cliff. No one was near a cliff except for these kids somehow. Somehow yeah. a cliff magically appears. And then basically just there. the jock falls off it and it's hanging off the side of the cliff. Yep. And it takes it like... It out Nora. Well, it takes like two minutes for the kids to realize that he's not even behind them it anymore. It was so stupid. It's like... How about put the injured kid in the middle so he doesn't get left yeah. behind? And it's also like, <sighs> clearly when you're hiking and you're searching for somebody, you're trying to stay together as a group... The person behind you doesn't just disappear when they slip off a cliff. You're like, okay, be careful. There's a cliff here, which is what they kind of said. And then the two go forward, and the other guy's going around who has a bad arm we can't use. Yeah, again, you normally put the fucker you, in the middle. Normally, you look back, okay, you need any help. But no, he slips down, and they don't notice he, he's down there. It's um, But Biddle catches up to Nora, knocks her out. And she kind of falls in like a little ravine. It's not really that far. It's not that far. It's the like maybe about basic. four feet, five feet down. But she yeah. kind of falls, hit her head. And so she's knocked out. So he gets the puppet. Puts it back together. The kids find Nora. And then they're going back to try and find the Their other kid. Their friend. Which it's like, why would you like go find your friend who's probably closer, closer to, to you yeah. than who the fuck knows where Nora is. But they do that anyway. They yeah. find Nora. They get her. And then and Biddle finds the jock guy. I keep forgetting his yeah, name. I feel Biddle bad. finds the kid that's on the cliff and is about to, like, smash his hand to make him fall and die because the dummy's telling him to do so. Um, but oh, we forgot to add, all the other parents are now coming and running through the woods. Yeah, because as the two kids are waiting by their car, the other parents show. So apparently the jock's dad and the and the clone kid's mom, who are at the, at the quarry... quarry Went back to town and grabbed everyone else's parents, except for Meredith's no. dad. Yeah. Because he's just, a fucking idiot. Just the people who were involved in the supposed murder of Biddle. And then they all went up the mountain and saw the kids waiting there. And then they all went it through the woods to chase him down uh, the same path that everybody else went. So we're at the cliff. Jock kid's hanging off. The dummy's poking his head over the edge saying, no, we're going to kill you. Um, everybody basically... 
converges there. Because magically everyone can find each other now. Yeah. It's, and then, it's bad. This is just... This yeah, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a four. It was a four episode here, but it wasn't like it's bad. Like it's bad television. It's just like, all right, you're just wrapping. Try, like they're trying to wrap shit up really quickly. Yeah, because it would almost felt like this was the end, but like there are two more episodes. So yeah. that's the cool thing is that if this ended on this episode, this would be a very bad ending to all this, considering this is what everything's been leading up to. Mm-hmm. But basically, everybody gets there. They converge there. They're talking to Biddle. Uh, the the uh, Meredith calls him care uh, care bear because that's what like uh, his parents his called, dad him. called him, and it's kind of like the whole Martha sequence in Superman. Yeah. <laughs> like, Why'd you call me care bear? <laughs> How do you know? And it says, "Oh, get the lowest best sort of parents. Oh, they love you and they forgive you and they they're waiting to pass on with you." And then the puppets still try to convince Biddle to throw the kid off yeah. the cliff. So instead, Biddle throws the dummy off the cliff, helps the jock up, and then. Biddle's ghost gets purged out of Justin Long. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, is, like, throughout this whole concept of them arguing back and forth and saying, oh, no, this is what really happened, you see, like, Justin Long and Biddle's face kind of merging back and forth. Yeah, that was a nice little touch. Yeah, so, hear. like, obviously, like, Biddle's there, and then Justin Long's there, and they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then, eventually, the whole body just turns into Biddle. Um, and after, like... You know, they save the kid. They kick the dummy off into the ravine, off the cliff. And they say their goodbyes. We're not even going off with his parents. Biddle gets perched out through the like smoke from uh, Justin Long's mouth. He like purges them out. I did not catch a part. All I saw, all, all I saw was that. Okay. Okay, so I missed that part somehow because all I saw, all I saw was like, okay, this is Justin Long's body. Now it's suddenly. Just so I'm going I, I missed that because and I saw being pop up. I literally just saw just collapses like a damsel in distress. I literally just saw it go from Biddle standing there to no. Biddle like then take his body becoming completely full. Yeah. And then he disappears like what happened to just Long's body? It's like, oh I guess he's just laying there on the ground. Yeah. Like a weak little, you know, princess. I must have gone to the bathroom that quick sec that summer was in the kitchen because I did not see him throw up Biddle at all. Yes, he threw up Biddle. He, okay. he threw up the smoke that went in his body on uh, the first step. I completely missed that sequence. So I was like, so, I literally was confused. I was That's like, like, what do you mean? He's threw, Justin Long threw him up. Yeah, because I was near like, okay, so now his the the clothes he's wearing is now no longer Justin Long, so it's now his biddle, like teenage costume. He goes off and then fades away. I'm like, how's he with fade his away? parents? How's he fade away with his parents? If that, where's Justin Long's body? And that's why I saw my oh, wait, he's just laying down there. I didn't see a transition of that. Yes, happening. it was a transition. I'm like, wait, what are you talking okay. about? So that explains that because I was like really confused. Like, why did you do that cho- choice in filming this to be like, oh, he morphs into himself and then he just fades away? I'm like, but that's not his body. <laughs> okay. So this kind of ends like as if like the, everything that's been building up has been building up to. From getting the dummy, overcoming its like uh, mind control power. It's not mind control, but like the urge that he has to be his influence kicks the dummy off, saves the day, and everybody gets to go home and the story's over, right? Turns out that's not the case because, like we said, why are you already taking it to the fucking cabin? Somebody's just going to dig it up anyway. Yeah. You should have fucking waited. And there's a mid credit scene of where the dummy's eyes are waking up. So somebody's going to find it. So there's two more episodes. Which mm-hmm. is Night of the Living Dummy Part Two, and then Welcome to Horrorland. Um, so the next episode should wrap everything up. And it's just the last episode called "Is Welcome to Horrorland." Makes me think that's the start of a new storyline, maybe with everything. I hope so. That would be cool. Yeah, because I wouldn't mind like having a season two of this because I think the whole cast is a great job. It's just this. Out of all the episodes, this is the weakest one thus far yeah because just so the- i hope they return to how it has been i yeah. just think it's just a little leak writing they were just trying to wrap up the biddle bit yeah it's a, it's a wrap up a wrap up ending basically and like other any other tv show though would have ended on this episode like hey cool story's done hey here's a teaser for season two right well there's two more episodes so we'll have to see what actually happens how do they really do it because what we never really find out is Dummy's goal was somehow originally he got that sarcophagus mm-hmm. had a body in it, wanted the original guy to put his to take something out, 
and he had a vision of the world burning and then said no and buried the dummy. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what the dummy's actual motive, goal. goal is or what he's trying to do. Yeah. We never find that out. Um, and we don't know how close he is to being able to get to it now since all those years passed between what happened before. Because we don't know who necessarily whose body it was that he had them dig up. Other than it being a possible other magician or something or a pharaoh or something like that, I don't, I don't quite remember. I don't know. It was weird. Hopefully, we find that out in the next episode, and then the last episode might lead into something else. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but per, for a Goosebumps show, pretty pretty good. It was a really good show. Good series. Um, and definitely recommend it. Now, the next show that just started again just premiered this Friday is Invincible. Yay! I don't know what Invincible Finally is. Finally came back. Invincible, this is season two of Invincible that just started. Invincible is a cartoon based uh, off of a comic that's on uh, Amazon Prime. It's strictly only on there. Uh, really good uh, comic book uh, TV show. Um, definitely not one for your for your kids to watch. This is strictly a uh, an adult. Only, yeah. Yes. Um, it's like it's on the, it's very violent. It's like on the level of, of um, the boys. But this is a cartoon, basically. Um, the comic book itself is not for kids. It's definitely an adult comic book. It's uh, very violent. Things. Yeah. Um, but Invincible is about a kid, a teenage kid whose dad is basically the Superman of this universe called Omni-Man. Uh, who's voiced by J.K. Uh, Simmons. Simmons, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> so really good. Um, and then, like, the first season starts off with... Him not the kid not having any powers and actually learning to ha- le- figure out that he d- does get his powers and then learning how to be a superhero and all that and going through trials and tribulations there while we kind of slowly learn out learn the dark the dark reason why Omni Man is actually there, which is Omni Man is basically a Superman clone uh, except like he's from a planet of all superhero superheroes like him, who instead of Superman being like the last of his kind and like on a journey of for peace. Uh, I'm going to ask people go out to the universe, send, the, send conquer, send people out to weaken a planet's defenses, and then take them over and consume them into their empire. Omni-Man's real goal was to come to Earth and actually weaken it by taking out any superheroes that they have, and then the empire is going to show up. And when this is kind of made known by the end of the first season, the last episode is this really brutal father-son fight. Um, where basically uh, Omni-Man beats the living shit out of his own son. Yeah. Uh, they are they literally use a sequence out of this as a fatality in Mortal Kombat. The new Kombat, Mortal, Kombat. Mortal Kombat 1 uh, with the Omni-Man DLC, where basically he grabbed his son's by the back of his head and stood him in front of a subway train and just let the train blast through them. Um, and everyone... People dying, dying. As, they, as their bodies hit his sons and everything breaking all that shit to like where this fight ends with his son with him being his son's face and on the side of a fucking mountain. Yes. Um, so when the fight's over, Omni man just runs away kind of crying. Cause like he's yelling at his son, like you need to join me. You need to join me. This is what we're supposed to do. He refuses. And basically says the only thing he has in the universe, uh, is, 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 dad. is his dad who would still be a lot, live as long as he would. Um, because his dad literally says, "Oh, I love your mom, but like a pet," That's <laughs> which is like, "What the fuck?" Like a dog, my dude. Yeah, just like, don't. Nobody like, fucks their pets, dude. So like, oh. After hearing his son like loves him or whatnot, would want to be or would have him as his companion throughout throughout life because it would live forever or whatnot. Uh, I guess he realizes how horrible of a father he is, and he ran away. We don't know what happened. He just left. But. Season two opens up with this really weird, like, you're almost like, if you hadn't watched the last episode, or even if you had, had watched the last episode of season one, you're kind of like, what the fuck? Did I miss something? Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's him and his son working together. Conquering uh, Earth. Conquering Earth. Killing the last of the superheroes, like the immortal, and then killing uh, innocent humans. He's like, well, you joined the resistance, so you have to die now. I have yep. to kill you. And uh, <clears throat> Invincible breaks Adam Eve's neck, but only just to paralyze her for life. It's like messed up. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, because he's like, I'm not going to kill you. And then he snaps her neck and you think, oh, well, he just killed her. Like, no. So, you know, she's paralyzed. Then his dad shows up and is like, 
Oh, so that's what you were practicing on those people yeah, at the, the riot. The protest. At the, pro- yeah. at the rioters at the protest the other day. It's like, yeah, I want to try and crack, snap their necks without killing them, but paralyzing them. <clears throat> so it's... And it's that weird dynamic that he was just like his dad in that, in that sense. And while you're watching, like, all right, this has to be multiple, a different universe. Yeah. Turns out it is. Because we see this guy that they <clears throat> were after um, just disappear through a portal thing. Yeah, he falls through a portal. That opens up, uh, which they have no idea what it is. And then we find that Invincible is, back in the universe that we know of, is still being a kind of superhero, but he's just kind of like lazily flying around trying to stop crimes as he can, if he needs to. He's not part of the government team going out on special missions like he was before. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, he suffered a dramatic trauma of getting his ass punched in by his his dad. Cecil doesn't want him back on the team yet. Uh, But the team itself is actually struggling as well. Because while they're fighting and whatnot, uh, the robot guy who basically gave himself a body in the last season uh, is now experiencing things like fear. Because he's no longer just a robot who can just transfer from body to body if he needs to. Mm -hmm. So his leadership is lacking. So they bring in the Invincible to lead. Not Invincible. It was uh, the Immortal. immortal. Brings in the Immortal to lead that team because the kid's. That guy's leadership is off because he's now a kid and has a human body and all that stuff. So until he uh, learns to control that or whatnot, the team is now under the moral who's like, has a strict regimen of how they're going to do things. Yep. And they added another hero called Bulletproof. Yeah, which um, we don't... We don't know anything no, about him. Haven't seen him in any action yet. Um, but clearly both of the, him and the moral look down on the group of, of heroes as, yep. as they are. Um, and then uh, Mark's mom... Uh, is going through shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, understandable. Yeah, because when you're finding that you're being t- called, that you're called a pet. Um, yeah. So she had her own shit to deal with. Mark was like told to go back to school, but he wants to be a superhero still. Still has no idea how to deal with everything that's happening. Again, like therapy. Yeah. Yeah, these people would be nice, uh, Mr. Government Man. So it turns out the guy that disappeared in the Ultimate Universe was pulled through a portal because there's a... a, a new character who basically shows up and is like, yeah, I can jump through different dimensions. Uh, mm-hmm. I can create portals. And he has mm-hmm. his grand plan to use a device that these twin monster guys from the first season... Um, who are recaptured and put back into the government facility. Yeah. He ends up breaking them out with his uh, portals to get them to uh, build a machine, help him build the machine he's working on that's not He's running into a robot. It's basically not working right. Mm-hmm. These two people work have made uh, basically were the ones who had created the robot guy's body, I believe. Yes. So takes those those villains together and starts having them build machines, uh, build a machine for them that he can put, which is his plan. All his different clones or different people from <laughs> versions yep. of him from different universes. Yep have a clear understanding of their universe. He wants to meld his mind with all of theirs so that he has a clear understanding because he's noticed in all these other dimensions that any problems we have in our world, they've already solved. So he he, wants to solve cancer. Cancer, climate change, economic stuff. Everything. And he believes he can do that if he he merges all the minds of his different selves from all the different universes together as one into him, he can take all the context from everything and piece everything together, just make one utopia world, right? Where everything's fine. Yeah. But he also reveals a little tidbit that in most other dimensions, Invincible did team up with his dad mm-hmm. and took over the Earth. This is the one dimension that that did not happen. So it's kind of unique in that way. Um, but him working with the supervillains and them building a giant machine in secret has tipped off Cecil and the superhero team or whatnot. So Cecil's willing to give um, Mark... Another chance to Mark says he'll do whatever he tells him to do and will constantly follow orders. Um, so Mark goes there to investigate. But basically he's just told, hey, stop whatever the fuck they're doing. Turn it off. Yeah. And this machine is basically laid out. that Once we turn it on, you can't stop it. If Because uh, you'll get brain damage and you die or whatnot. Or, you, something, or something like else. that. So <clears throat> the Mongo guys are trying to hold off invincibles they're all fighting um so the portal dude basically creates more portals for the other versions of the mongo twins to show up Mm -hmm. 
So there's like a girl versions. There's a half robot, half rock versions. A bunch of different ones show up, and they start being the shadow invincible. Again, yes, he is invincible. He cannot die, but he can get his ass That's fucking big. kicked. Yeah, and he needs to learn to stop that. Yeah, so <laughs> he's getting God. beat up constantly uh, to the point where he's on the ground and the mongols are beating him up. And the guy who is in the portal is like, hey, no, I don't want my utopia built on his blood. Don't kill him. And they're like, no, fuck off. We're going to do what we want. Yep, keep your damn helmet on. And he yeah. says, no, and he rips his, he helmet, rips his off helmet off and makes the whole building explode. Yeah, and the whole point of this device that they pointed out was like hey it'll meld all your minds but it'll make it so that you know who you are and whose memories are not yours versus yours but him interrupting the process blows everything up uh most almost all the mongos are dead uh cecil and the rest of the crew show up drag invincible out of there and like okay well we stopped them we'll try to figure out what they're doing like it was literally like a shoot first and we'll ask questions later yeah which kind of comes off as like cecil you guys are idiots you should listen to what they're doing first and before you go and shut it down you don't know what the plan was yeah so it wasn't necessarily like they're doing anything wrong were they stealing a lot of power who knows there was like nobody like getting hurt in the process of what they were doing so it was just oh there's this big power surge and these idiots are out of prison so they must be there go and destroy whatever the fuck they're doing yeah instead of like find out what they're doing and stop it if you need to um because of that, all that fighting happened. The guy pulled off the helmet. It blew up. They cleaned up the scene. And then one of the mong- Mongos, which we're assuming is the orig- one of the original The original one. one. But like half his body is gone. It's, yeah, it's burnt, melted. I'm sure throughout the season he'll clone himself again. To have of his, course have he's going to clone himself. Um, but he ends up finding the portal guy who now has this gigantic brain thing. It's like, dude, you need to go to hospital or whatever. What the fuck? But... He realizes that, hey, the guy's memories are all jambled. He doesn't know which ones are his. And he has the memory of the guy who's from the universe where Omni-Man killed and Invincible killed all his friends. Yeah. So now he's hell-bent on, I need to get revenge against Invincible. Yeah. I got to go after Invincible. <laughs> yeah. And then um, at the end of the episode as well, we find out Invincible and his girlfriend get to go to university together. Or they got their acceptance letters yeah. from the university. So like he so, so now it's gonna be basically the episode's gonna be like invincible living a normal life or being a superhero and we have a new supervillain who yeah. can basically jump to any dimension he wants to, to get any resources he wants, who is hell bent on getting revenge for something that our invincible never did. But that's not how what he remembers. He just remembers that all his friends were murdered by Omni Man and Invincible. Yeah. So that kind of sets up a new villain for the episode for the for, season, mm-hmm. and then we have to see what happens as far as where's Omni Man at? Does he come back with the Empire or does he come back on his own? Um, and how they handle this new threat? Uh, Mongo might still be in there because he basically ends up leaving, saying like, "Yeah, we're gonna stop working for other fucking people because it never <laughs> works out for them." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and just work for themselves. Sense. Yeah. Um, so, again, really great show. Really graphic uh, on the animation uh, and the violence. So, definitely not for kids, but definitely a great adult uh, animated series to watch. Yeah. So, we'll be doing that every week as well. Yep. Um, and then we just kind of binge watched a show friends recommend to us called The Fall of the House of Usher. So good. Um, originally, wasn't too interested in this. I mean, this is another. Uh, kind of TV show uh, created by the creators of Haunting of Bly House, I believe. Yeah, Haunting of uh, Hill House and... Mike Flanagan, um, yeah, was the creator. Oh, what was the other one? And it was Bly Manor, I think is the other one. Yeah, Midnight Ma- Mass. Uh, Haunting yeah, of Midnight Bly- Mass was good. I did enjoy that. Uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House. So, like, Haunting of Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House. Um, I don't know if I watched Bly Manor. I remember I, w- I watched Hill House. Yeah. And my kind of gr- grief with his uh, type of work... On Although, those two, at least. At least on those two. Like, I mean, he did Doctor Sleep, Sleep, which, which is great. one of our favorite movies. And but, Midnight Mass had like good twist. He in had it. a good twist in it, in it. But my main grief with like his TV shows has been like the the supernatural elements and like the haunting of Hill House and stuff have always been in the background, and it's there for the benefit of the audience and not there to do anything with what's happening to the characters half the time. Yeah. Haunting Hill House was really bad for that because, like, there were some ghosts that the, the characters didn't interact with, but all the ones that were in the background that kept popping up, 
never had like there's backstories to them for the audience to find out about like just through you know kind of like the internet sleuthing of what people do and they're like oh what's the point of this ghost or this or this yeah. or how do these people die it's not necessarily explained in the show but it's there's information out there to give that to you they're there to scare or to haunt the viewer and have nothing to do with the characters well in house of usher they actually did that very differently where where you think that at first but then you realize no this is part of it yeah, and but... it's actually is interactive yeah and it's based off of Edgar Allan Poe's stories which was also a really interesting take on how to do this mini series yeah i believe it's uh eight episodes and each episode is the title of one of his uh poems yep um, and all done very well. The main gist of it, or at least how it starts, is you have this guy who's the CEO of a, a huge pharma company, a huge pharma company, who basically get the sense like he's gonna die sooner. Something's gonna happen. He's played by Bruce Greenwood, who played Captain Pike in the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek movies. Um, and he's sitting there talking across uh, from a detective uh, who is uh, the black guy in um, Dr. Sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and he's basically kind of like giving his confession to all his crimes. And that's what all these episodes are, are what's him explaining what's been going on. So what's been going on like the past week has been all his children. This past been, two weeks of all six of his children, children have died. Have, yeah. And they're being kind of... And it's him explaining, like, how each of them died. And even though uh, he's not a detective, but the he's a he's prosecutor. A he's like, yeah, we know how they died. You know, this one died in this freak accident. Yeah, and all the kids like, have died in accidents. And his, his father is explaining, no, they're not accidents. This is how they actually died. And how they kind of integrate the ghost in this one is that at first, like you said, it's as if they're just there for the audience. Because it's like, oh, my dead mother is standing behind you. And the investor's like, I'm not playing this game where you have control over me and I look around wherever you're telling me to. And then, so he doesn't turn around and then we see the body like, move. move out of camera view and leave. And so you're like, oh, all right, here's the ghost for us. But how they explain it is that this guy is also knows that he's going to die because he's, he's getting dementia just like his mother did. Mm -hmm. And so all the ghosts that we're seeing, he is actually seeing because... Oh, they're explaining to you it's through his dementia or this or the haunting of the supernatural, however yeah. you want to take it. But everything that we see, he is seeing and, and experiencing. Which the gimmick here is every episode is an explanation of kind of how we got here, but an explanation of how one of, how one of these kids have died. Yeah, and these kids range from like twenty one to like forty something. Yeah, they're the oldest is what probably like. 40, mid 40s 40, or something yeah, 45 and the youngest was at least maybe 21 22 yeah no i think he was in his late 20s something like said. that because he was born in 95 okay yeah so yeah that makes sense and like he has like two two of his own kids with his first wife and then he has a bunch of bastard children with a bunch of women that he's randomly slept yeah. with um but it's a really cool um instance of these poems that Edgar Allan uh, Poe wrote, um, starting with the Midnight Jury and going all the way through like, um, yeah, the Black Cat, Black Cat, the Mask of the Red Death, the Murder of the Muru, Telltale uh, Heart, Telltale Heart, the Gold Bug, Pit and the Pendulum, to end on the Raven. Um, it's most famous. Yeah, we're not gonna spoil like everything. Is I think it's good enough for you guys to. You should go and check it out. It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's not once you figure out like the ghost part of it it's not really scary so don't let that deter you if you're uh, you know easily afraid yeah. i would say like the biggest jump scares are going to be in your first two episodes when you're still trying to figure out the ghost bits well yeah but like there's a big jump scare in the black cat one oh Debbie. like this like the jump scares that happen are you're not the only one happening to it, the characters having them too yeah, he reacts, yeah. you react. Because it's what's haunting him. And then in the end, there's the kind of like a, a kind of a reveal of what's actually going on, which is really interesting. Yeah. Oh, Mark Hamill's character in this Mark is Hamill's one of the amazing in this. Everyone did an amazing job, but Mark Hamill, whoo, amazing. Yeah, this is done in such a good way where um, the main stars on here is Bruce Campbell, 
Or not Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. Mary, Mary McDonald is also really good. And Mark Hamill, which Bruce Greenwood plays the main of the the patriarch. Yeah, Roderick of the, Usher. Of the patriarch of the Usher family. Mary McDonald is his sister. Who's the matriarch, basically. Kind of matriarch, yeah, but just his sister. Like they are well, the ones. She's pretty much in the background, like pulling all Roderick's strings. You yeah, see, as you see, those, those two are the key, like head members of the family. Everyone else are do something for the company, or are uh, to a point where that's how how they look, they make all their money. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Hamill is basically their ruthless attorney. Yes, uh, who's kept them out of trouble uh, their entire careers. Um, it's really cool and very obvious, like um, Devil at the Crossroads type of storyline, um, but it's told very very well. Yes, so. I definitely recommend it. It's a fun um, ride. If you've read any of the Edgar Allan Poe's poems and, or short stories, um, they tie really well together with all that. Um, so definitely uh, check that out. Or, hey, read some of the ones and then uh, we'll go watch the show. You'll see how everything uh, pairs up. I mean, they took even small details from the storyline of, like, the black cat. But I remember reading as a kid where, like, there's this dead cat and its eyeballs hanging out of its eye is one of the main, one of the biggest descriptors they have there. Most people who would adapt that story wouldn't necessarily put that aspect into it. Yeah. They put that into the storyline. Um, they follow the storylines of these poems and short stories very, very well. Um, especially with adapting them to modern times mm-hmm. as it is. So definitely check it out. Worth watching. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's eight episodes. You can binge the whole thing. Uh, something I Definitely highly recommend. High, highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, now, another movie we just watched uh, that just came out on Amazon Prime as well is a movie called Totally Killer. It stars the girl who is Sabrina in the Netflix Sabrina series. Uh, surprisingly, it um, also had her mom who was... Um, Julie, Julie Brown. Julie Brown. Bowen, um, who I want to say is the mom from... Um, Modern Family? Yes, as a Modern Family mom. Yeah. Known for... Yeah. Yeah, she's she's Modern Family. And she does a lot of voice acting, too. Yeah, Modern yeah. Family. Yep. Yeah, she's clear don't feel Modern Family. She does a ton of voice acting, too. Um, she, uh, she's in this as well. Uh, basically, the storyline of this is that... Uh, <laughs> when her mom was a kid in the 80s, three of her friends were murdered. Mm-hmm. Um by the Sweet 16 Killer, who's this guy who wears this really, like... It's almost a Max Headroom-type mask, but it's not Max Headroom. Yeah. It's, like... It's an off-brand version of it. Um, but it's the only thing... It would, it would be in the 80s. It would be Max Headroom. Headroom. Um, but it's not a Max Headroom mask. Um, but it's real close to it. But basically, her mom in the 80s, three of her friends were murdered right before Halloween by what they call the Sweet 16 Killer, who was this guy who went and stabbed each of his victims 16 times. Um... And then just disappeared after uh, the after the uh, murders happened, and then suddenly, thirty five years later, in modern di- modern time, um, reappears and kills uh, the, the this girl's mother, uh, who who is played by Claire Dunphy Chick, um, Halloween night. So uh, our main character Jamie is basically like left with like the distraughtness of like a booty teenager who was like hating, hating on her mom and then finds out her mom gets murdered. And then is like, I lost my mom. I love my mom, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Finds out her friend is building a time machine for the science fair. Um, which is obviously, okay, cool. Somebody's made a time machine. That's just going to be a thing in this movie basically. Yeah. And through circumstance of the killer coming back and chasing her down, she ends up in the past in, uh, 1987. Uh, right trying, before the murder. Trying happened. to prevent the murder from happening because if she can catch the killer in the 80s, she can stop the killer from killing her mom in the modern times. Yeah. Because uh, she had learned from like the local podcaster who's been uh, basically milking this case for everything. Yeah. And also of, doing tours, which I'm like, that's fucked up. Yeah, really weird. Like doing local tours of the murders that happened th- uh, when he was a kid. Um Basically told her, like, yeah, your mom got a note saying that she was going to be next one day. Uh, so she, uh, she thinks if she can stop the killer in the 80s, she can prevent her mom from being killed in the modern time. 
And she goes through this wacky adventure of like, it's weird because it's like it's made by somebody who heard about the 80s but didn't live in the 80s. Yeah. So they kind of get some things right, but they kind of get a, some a things lot of stuff wrong. wrong. Like there was DNA testing. So like a cop would know you need to grab blood samples at a, at a crime scene versus like, I don't know what this is, stupid girl. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, they were starting to use uh, DNA testing in courtrooms and they were collecting DNA samples, samples well before that. Yeah. So like, cause they knew like, Oh, this is going to be something we should collect it till we get the technology. Yeah. That's it out. And also like, uh, Oh, come, come in my car. I'll take you to school. And like, I don't get cars with strangers. Like, we were being told that in the eighties not to get cars with strangers. So it's like, yeah, it wasn't like, it, it was made a more sen- Yeah. It would have made more sense. Like in, in the seventies, yeah. but <clears throat> uh, late eighties, where this took place, no, it would not make sense. Yeah, like that that part there, like no, we knew not to give cars to strangers in the eighties, and strangers wouldn't just randomly offer you a ride. Yeah. Um. So it has kind of those elements where you're like, somebody thinks it's what the eighties is like, but does doesn't really know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the classic thing of her goes, she's goes back to the school, finds her mom. Her mom is with a bunch of the group of mean girls, that type of stuff. Trying to find out who why a killer why the killer is targeting them, uh, goes through the whole shenanigans, um, and ends up you know solving the murder, and then uh, the killer from the future has somehow gotten to the past because her friends try to make a time machine in the in the present to bring her back. Um, it's so, not really a big twist because I kind of figured out that was what it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we have nobody has any idea who the real killer was. Because there's no information given on why he, Doug is going to kill everybody. Yeah. Um, it's Until just... At the end, they're yeah. like, oh, it's because he dated this one chick. This and girl they, that we bullied and then dro- got and, her wasted and she drove home drunk and died. Yeah. So, like, at first we thought... Because at first she's thinking, oh, it's the sick girl's brother. Because uh, he's writing his notebook how he's going to kill everybody and, and it's kind of demonic or whatnot. But, like, he's mainly just a video game. wants to be a video game maker, which is what he ends up doing in the future. But um, they go through the shenanigans and they kind of like do, try and debunk some stuff like oh, Back to the Future because that's what she's constantly comparing it to. Because that's her only reference, reference apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a murder mystery with Back, Back to the Future. Instead of like, hey, I need to get my parents back together so I exist. It's, hey, I need to stop a murder so I... And also my, make sure my parents don't get together so I don't get born too early. Yeah, so what's the one point that they, her science friend says in the past is like, no... Back to the future got wrong. If your parents don't get together and you don't exist, when you go back to the future, you just don't you just don't belong there. Nobody will know who the fuck you are. Yeah. So throughout all this stuff, they saw the murder. The real killer, like I said, is the boyfriend of a girl that they bullied who got killed in a drunk driving accident. He only killed the three girls originally because those, those are the girls that uh, bullied her. Yeah. Her mom had nothing to do with it. Because her mom had a fight with one of the girls that wasn't part of their group and during, the during, during the time that the uh, drunk driving incident happened. So Future Killer comes into the past and we find out after a long chase and her getting into the Gravitron to go back, back to the future. Back to the future. That the killer was the podcaster. from At least the Future Killer is the podcaster because... There's nothing else to podcast about with this true crime podcast, so he was trying to bring the murderer back by killing her mother on Halloween. Yeah. All because he's living in the shadow of his father, who is like a famous newsman, which, oh, by the way, yeah, he kills him in the past anyway, too. Yeah, he <laughs> runs by him live on broadcast and just stabs him in the head. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, like, she defeats the killer in the time machine. He dies. He turns into pink mist because he's not in the center of the Gravitron. Goes back to the future, and then kind of like the funny bit about it is that uh, she did change shit in the past. So, like, yeah. because she accidentally told her mom who she ends up with, instead of them getting together after college, like originally, she, they she now has a 34 year old brother. Yes. <laughs> um, her, Wait, when he shows up, we're like, okay, who the fuck is this fucker coming yeah, up? Yeah, it's like, who's this? It's like, oh, hey, that's your 34 year old brother. Because her friend's mom, who was a nerd in 87 seven who built the time machine to get her back to the future, um, wrote down everything that changes and gives her a notebook at the end of the movie. Like, yeah, read this. And it kind of goes through, like, 
all the characters that we have met and what actually how they're different from the from where they were in the present day. Um, <clears throat> some stuff's still the same. Then the sheriff of the town is still the same sheriff. Yeah. Um, who still loves weed as much as she as yes. much as, as she did as a teenager. Um, the uh, what like yeah, she has a three four year old brother. Her name is no longer Jamie because that's his name because he's yep. the firstborn. She's now Claudette or something like that. Yeah, or Claudette. Colette. Colette, whatever. Yeah. It's a stupid name she got. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry. Um, her friend's mom's not, like, working night shift at a factory or something. She's now a, a renowned scientist. Yep. Uh, which is good. Um, <laughs> it was just very... That part's probably the more, most entertaining thing, because everything else is kind of, like, dragging along. She's trying to stop the 80s kids from being stupid 80s kids, but not understanding how to talk to people in the 80s or... I guess the big joke of the whole thing is like, oh, let's talk about our feelings and like be super emotional, like how Gen Z is now. And it's yeah. like, he's like, no, fuck you, you're an idiot. Well, what, what kind? Got to of... bottle up our feelings, and not say anything. Yeah, the one guy is like, the one black guy is like, instead of grabbing his crotch all the time, saying, like, yeah, get on these, like half the time. He's nuts. Um. Got it. Yeah. So like, that's the big joke. But like I said, they get some things wrong. Like, kids aren't that weren't that way in the eighties. It was yeah. like a means girl kind of vibe thing, but that's not the thing. The fact that like the eighties girls like, oh, we all uh, all immortalize Molly Ringwald for some reason. Yeah, and it's like, no. yeah, she was in John Hughes movies, but she wasn't considered cool or the hottest chick in, in movies then either. Yeah, like nobody cared about Molly Ringwald when I was a kid. Um, plus the fact that like all her characters wore like grandmother clothes and like. The mean girls at the school her mom were apart were the popular kids who dressed like that. Yeah, it didn't make sense. Yeah, that's think. not the 80s at all. So somebody, somebody has some yeah. weird-ass memories of the 80s for some reason. Or they only watch, like, John Hughes and a few horror films. Yeah, and thought Molly Ringwald was, like, the greatest thing yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, it was weird. A fun little movie. I feel like it ran a little bit too long. Yeah. Um, how long is this movie? It's an hour and 46 minutes. Yeah, it probably could have cut. It felt 15. like two hours, though. Yeah. yeah, they probably could have kicked like 15, 20 minutes off, and it would still been better. Yeah, um, but I think the acting done by the lead was done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the girl played Sabrina, uh, Karen, uh, Karen uh, Shipka. She did a really good sure. job uh, <laughs> with her role. It's interesting to see her just do something different because she did Sabrina for so many seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only thing I've ever seen her in to see her do something more uh, present day and more normal-ish normal-ish? well because Sabrina's kind of very prim and proper and then they flip, yeah. plus they throw all that supernatural shit into a world where, where we don't know what, what time frame does this take place in yeah because it's like you have cell phones but also you act like you're in the 1950s it's yeah. bizarre yeah like the mining is the biggest biggest business in town I was like why would that be the case that makes no sense it was yeah but um, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah. But she did a really good job. Um, the act, I think all the actors did really well f- uh, for their parts. Um, it's somewhat funny, kind of uh, predictable where it's going to go, where it goes. Uh, but you can check it out on uh, Prime, Amazon Prime, called Totally Killer. Uh, reason why I wanted to check it out because it reminded me of like the Kill Street nineteen eighty four Kill Street movies yeah, that yeah. were on Netflix. That those are actually really good. Um, I don't think there's any connection from the creators of this to that, but um, this kind of reminded me a little bit of that, and I wanted to check it out. So it's kind of a fun hour and a half, uh, hour forty five minute like slasher film. Yeah. Um, janky science behind it, like it's just there's time travel. Just, just deal with it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we're gonna as fun as Back to the Future was. They he explains his time travel with enough science jargon like cool that makes sense he can do that yeah where this chick turns a photo booth into a time machine makes no fucking sense yeah and then turns an arcade machine into a time machine and a graviton fair ride into a time machine makes no sense yeah it just just go with yeah. it yeah that's like the weakest part of the whole thing um it's more so the interaction of gen z and trying to act with teenagers from 1987 and not fucking figuring out how they communicate and that we don't give a shit about feelings and fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so somewhat kind of fun. Check it out. Um, last thing we'll talk about is that there was a new trailer that released this week um, called Echo. It's the next new Marvel show that's coming out in January. Yes. Um, 
knew nothing about this. At first, I thought it was going to be like a Daredevil tie-in because uh, the first poster I saw has like her uh, Daredevil in the background and Kingpin. Um, but so they, they must have reacted it or something. He might. He's going to show up in it because Matt Murdock, oh, the Cox, really? is is in five episodes of the new season of the okay. new show. So it's only five episodes well, long. Um, interesting. But the interesting thing is that um, Echo, the main character, was the deaf girl in Hawkeye, in the Hawkeye show, mm-hmm. who he fights like towards one of the later episodes. You were part of the gang that Kingpin kind of controlled. Yes. Oh. Turns looks like this is gonna be a lot about her and her background. And her and background. How she Native got American. yeah, and how she, her and Kingpin uh, started working together, and it looks violent. Yeah, which I'm like, bravo! Finally, you're going to embrace the violence of what some of these Disney shows should be. Well, it's also going to be. I think they said the first TVMA show for Disney Plus. Ah, so it's going to be ex- extremely violent, um, much like how. Uh, Daredevil kind of was, but even more so. Um, I think... His... I think this is going to be their tester for the MA on Disney. True. I think that's why they're letting this come out. But I think it's, there's two things that happen with this. It's, this could be a really good show, and that's going to be great if it is. Mm-hmm. But they're also showing lots of flashes of her Native American background and Native American heritage. Yeah. And that's going to be a double-edged knife where it's like, cool, you're showing all this background of, of this character... But it's also going to end up on the side of, hey, look, Disney's trying to be super, super diverse in how they have a Native American superhero. And they're going to keep drumming down our throat how she's Native American. Mm-hmm. Um, where in the Hawkeye show, she honestly could pass her Native American or Latina. I, I wouldn't, how little she's in there, you wouldn't really know for sure. But um, that's not, doesn't seem like it's a big part of her character when you first meet her in Hawkeye. Yeah, but it might be with this. It, it is going to be with this. I mean, they're going to they're going to showcase that a lot. And that could be really good. Um, and it could be compelling. I think it's, yeah, it's but just think how they're going to handle it. You're still going to have people, whether it's good or not, going to whine about that. Um, so, I mean, that's why it's kind of the double-edged sword there, where I think it's going to have diverse characters, but you shouldn't keep ram- you shouldn't ram down the audience's throat that, hey, remember, they're diverse. They're diverse. They're diverse. Right. Like you don't have to keep telling us a gay character is gay. They can say it once, or they can, or you can just show us that they have a significant other of the same sex, and cool, move on to it. Because those aspects don't define who people are. That's just maybe helps them become who they are. But nobody I know goes around constantly reminding me that what what race they are, or where they're, or that they're gay, or mm-hmm. that they're this and that because. That doesn't determine whether you're a good or bad person or anything. That's and that's only a small aspect of their life, of who they are. That's not only who they are, and that's kind of the problem with how diverse shows have been handling stuff. Is that yes, you're going to be diverse, but either you're altering time history, where like, hey, it's the 1950s, so we're going to have all these diverse people in this white school. Sorry, mm-hmm. they didn't fucking yeah. exist. Don't do that. Well, hey, we're going to have a modern show with all these diverse people. Cool. Just have them be normal fucking people. The, yeah. The gay guys don't always come out and tell everybody, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm the gay guy. Yeah. I, Remember me? I'm gay. I'm the Arabic person. I'm the Muslim person. Like, yeah. nobody does that. Half my friends who were Jewish when I was growing up, I didn't know they were Jewish until it's like, oh, you, you go can't to come. to their house. Or, yeah, I, oh, you can't come out Saturday because you're going to the temple. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. They don't go and say, oh, by the way, I'm so-so. I'm Jewish. Yes. Like, nobody does that, and that's what they constantly do in Hollywood so they can sit there and say, hey, look, we have this person definitively of this group, so you can't say that we don't have somebody from that group. And it's like, nobody does that in real life. When you do it, it's kind of cringy, and that's why they have to figure out how they're going to um, incorporate that into stuff to show the heritage. I think, like, Miss Marvel did it very well with, like, it tying back to Pakistan and... Yeah. Um, the displacement stuff that happened there. Uh, I forget what they were call- how they were calling it. The yeah, how they were calling it. I'm like, it was it's an actual event. It's, it's an actual. I don't remember what it was called though, because uh, that was the first time I ever heard of heard of that happening in India, where they took all the Muslims and pushed them back, basically into Pakistan, mm-hmm. uh, and kicked them out of India. Um, but hearing about that event, um, was very interesting and very educational. Learn learn more about that culture that way, and it actually made sense with what was going on in the story. It didn't feel like it was thrown on top of there just so that, you know, it was tied to the bangle and the power that she yeah. got. Um, 
So Echo looks pretty interesting. That's my kind of initial thoughts after just watching the trailer. It'd be great to see like a ultra violent, like good, like mature um, Marvel series. Uh, I think that's something Marvel definitely needs. That's why Deadpool loves Deadpool being rated R movies because they're actual Marvel movies made for adults and not dumbed down for kids. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to have an adult uh, show about superheroes that maybe an adult can then determine whether or not their kid can handle it or the kid can wait till they're a teenager and they can watch it. Boys. You know, that's a superhero show that you don't want to show your children necessarily. So like, we were already talking about like basically three shows Invincible, The Boys, and this show Echo. Like, they're typically concepts for children, but these are made st- ideally for adults, and that's kind of what their big appeal is. Mm-hmm. I hope this is successful so we can have more of that kind of mature content put into more superhero shows. Yeah. Um, some of our like current ones, like Loki and that stuff, they'll never go full RMA necessarily with that stuff because... I don't think you need to with Loki. Yeah, maybe. but I mean, like, none of the known superhero characters are going to do They have to do with yeah. new ones like Echo here and whatnot, so it looks interesting. We'll check it out, and we'll keep you posted on that. Um, but that's pretty much our show this week. We'll have uh, initial update on... Uh, initial impressions on Alan Wake, because I just got that this past week and started playing that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'll put an impression video up later this week on that. Um... Other than that, uh, we'll catch you next week with the end of Loki. Some more stuff on... Uh, we'll see Goosebumps, Goosebumps Invincible. Invincible uh, uh, what else is coming out? Uh, Scott Pilgrim should be coming out soon. So I, think we'll talk- I think it's mid-November. Uh, oh, like we'll talk so. about that mid-November yeah. then. So with, and there's a bunch of other shows coming out in mid to later November, like the Monarch Monster uh, one on Apple. Yep. So a lot of stuff I'm interested in watching. We'll check that out. We'll let you know if we, what new movies we check out too. So, uh, that's the show. You can catch us again on www.nerdcrusade.com, uh, twitch.tv slash the Nerd Crusade, and YouTube, the Nerd Crusade. So check us out there. Hit, <laughs> hit us up. Let us know what you want us to talk about. If there's some shows you think we should be watching. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.